Today, we're going to talk about finding the heart and soul of your game. Hey everyone, welcome to the 73rd episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I am your host, Zaccavelli. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Zaccavelli underscore and tune in for Game Dev streams at twitch.tv slash Zaccavelli underscore. We also have an open community Discord. It's a place for all kinds of beginner and intermediate game devs. And there's an open invite link for that in the show description. With the intro out of the way, let's move on over to the Game Dev Challenge. The Game Dev Challenge is the part of the show where I provide a prompt for the listeners, and it's intended to be like a 15-minute exercise to help kind of cement the themes of the show. Episode 72's theme, or prompt rather, was to show off an example of how you are using AI tools for game dev. Remember last episode was sort of a crash course on the current AI tools and how you might use them or how I'm using them for game development. And this was one of the, I think, biggest game dev challenges in terms of submissions uh, that we've ever had. There was lots of cool ways, ways I didn't even really think of yet, that people are using AI tools for making their games. But as you know, there can only be one winner, and the winner with the most votes is Bovard. Bovard's post is short and sweet, but it looks spectacular. Bovard says, I used mid-journey to produce the hex art for my real-time Catan game. If you don't know what Catan is, it's sort of a strategy board game where you build cities and collect resources, and it's kind of on a hex grid map, and each hex has its own resource. One might be wheat, one might be mountains for stone, one might be trees for wood, and it looks like Bovard had put um, a prompt into mid-journey for, you know, like a beautiful scene for a field of wheat or a beautiful scene for mountains and then just cropped the picture into a hex. And the result is a beautiful board made up of different kinds of scenes. And what the most impressive thing about this is that they're all stylistically consistent. Every hex looks like it was drawn in the same style as the others, which getting the art style consistent uh, between different images is, I found to be a little bit challenging for the AI art generating tools. So I'd be curious to know uh, what kind of prompts Bovard used to get this consistent style. Either way, it looks really cool. Uh, It's a really great submission, and congrats to Bovard for winning. For the episode 73 Game Dev Challenge, I'd like for you to identify the source of heart and soul in one of your favorite games. Today, we're going to talk a lot about the different kinds of sources or reasons why games feel like they have heart and soul, and I'm not going to go through an exhaustive list, but I'm going to list some things. And I'd like for you to maybe think about your favorite games, the games that you feel like have a lot of heart and soul, and identify what is the source of that. Maybe it'll be some of the stuff we talk about today, or maybe you feel like it's for some other reason. But yeah, if you have a good idea or a good candidate uh, for a post, feel free to go over to our community Discord, go to the Game Dev Challenge channel, and submit your post. 
I'll read the winner live on next episode. With the Game Dev Challenge done, let's move on over to the body of the episode. Today's episode is about finding the heart and soul of your game. The heart and soul of a video game is one of those nebulous things that's hard to nail down. You can feel the heart and soul when playing it, but you can also feel when it's missing. It's hard to put your finger on what exactly it is. It's the reason why games like Banjo-Kazooie, Psychonauts, and Sly Cooper stand out amongst similar games of their respective era. It's why you accept bugs and actually think they're fun in open-world Bethesda games. It's the reason why some AAA games feel vapid, like they were made in a lab by a soulless corporation. I don't think anyone has fully figured out the formula, but I want to talk today about it and mention some things that I think help give a game a heart and soul. By no means will you walk away from today's episode with secret knowledge or an exhaustive list of all the things that make heart and soul in a game, but I hope this episode gets you in the right mood and provides a few insights for you to be able to recognize the source of heart and soul in other games, and maybe even in your own game. So today I think I want to focus on five things that I think make a video game feel like it has heart and soul. Those five things are identity, charm, feel, imperfection, and care. Let's start with identity. I think identity is an important thing for games in general, but definitely a source of heart and soul. By identity, I mean the game knows what it's trying to be, and it knows what it does well and what it doesn't, and what is at its core. And I say that like the game is sentient or something, but what I really mean to say is that the team behind the game knows these things. If you think about it, the heart and soul of a game is sort of like its personality. At some point in your life, you or someone you know has probably struggled with their own identity. And I don't mean to speak for everyone, but this was true for me, and I've certainly seen it with others. When you're struggling with your identity, your personality can't really shine as bright. It's hard for people to see who you are because you can't see who you are. But when you have the confidence of what you are and what you are not, your personality shines a lot brighter. And I think it's the exact same situation for a video game. If a game doesn't know what it is and what it's trying to be, people aren't going to feel like it has a heart and soul because it's kind of muddied and hard to tell. Lately, I've been playing a lot of ARPGs. I was in on the Diablo 4 beta. I thought it was really good, by the way. But yeah, I've been binging a lot of ARPGs and I decided to revisit Path of Exile. I realized that Path of Exile has a ton of heart and soul because the game knows what it's trying to be. And to be honest, I actually like Diablo better but I respect Path of Exile's dedication and confidence in what it is. If you don't know, Path of Exile is an ARPG similar to Diablo, but with the complexity of the game mechanics cranked up to 11. Like you've probably seen a skill tree in a game before. Uh, maybe you're presented with like three choices and they lead into a new choice. And every now and then you might get the fork one into two distinct choices forcing you to pick. I want you to go and Google the Path of Exile skill tree and just... Behold that image. It is without a doubt the most complex skill tree in any video game that I know of, and that's just the passive tree. There are like two more trees like that in the game. My point is, is that the game has almost gone against conventional design wisdom. Most designers would look at that skill tree and say, this is way too complex, how is a new player going to figure this out? But Path of Exile knows what it is and what it's trying to be, and that's Diablo with the complexity cranked up to crazy levels. And so they own it. They say, oh, you think the skill tree is complex? Just wait till you see how the skills work. Oh, you want an uh, endgame? Hold my spreadsheet. I hope you don't have anything important to do for the next three months. <laughs> and I, I simultaneously love and hate the game for that. 
but it's clear to me that it knows what it is and it's clear that it has heart. Okay, I think the next thing that contributes to games heart and soul is charm. Now charm is maybe the obvious answer to this question. I think if you ask the question, what contributes to the heart and soul of game, charm would be the first thing that a lot of people point to. I think there's a few sources of charm in a game, but you kind of have to know what to look for. First, I think quality narrative design really goes a long way. Think of a game like Stardew Valley. There's a lot of heart and soul in Stardew Valley, and I think its dialogue is one of the many strong sources of it. It's charming, it's comedic and touching in the right moments, and I don't think this is the right episode to do a deep dive on dialogue writing, but yeah, just be aware that a good source of heart and soul is charm, and a lot of that can be represented in the dialogue, especially in some cases comedic dialogue. And that brings me to my next point, throw in a joke or two for your game. No game is so serious that comedy isn't appropriate in the right amount. Now getting the comedy right is a skill, but think of all the serious themes in a game like The Last of Us. That game has moments of levity and comedy and that really works in the right amounts in that game because it makes the serious moments feel even heavier in juxtaposition. I will offer a warning, don't overdo it with trying to be funny. You can quickly cross that line from having comedic moments to like a cheap meme game that actually will do the exact opposite and make your game feel very like a low effort soulless meme. So yeah, just be careful of that. Okay, the next thing I think that leads to heart and soul is feel. And you know what that means. I have to bring up the golden rule of game dev. It's been a while, I think, since I mentioned it, but here is yet another instance of us needing to focus on a specific emotion or feeling and trying to evoke that with the gameplay. In case you're unfamiliar, I call that the golden rule of game dev, and I think it's important because players are going to feel the heart and soul of your game if they can emotionally resonate with it. Why does Breath of the Wild have so much heart? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is that its themes of discovery, exploration, and adventure are reflected in the game mechanics. It's almost like they designed the game mechanics with these emotions and feelings in mind. When you play the game, you feel that sense of discovery, exploration, and adventure due to the game's excellent design. I think people emotionally resonate with the game and that's why it's so beloved. It's why the Zelda series as a whole has always been beloved. So yeah, I guess this is just your mid-episode reminder that following the golden rule of game dev, yet again leads to a positive outcome. People can feel the heart and soul of your game if you design it to resonate emotionally in all aspects. I think there's another thing that contributes significantly to the feel of a game, and I'd be making a mistake if I didn't mention this when talking about the soul of a game especially, but good video game music can become the soul all on its own. The right music piece can make someone feel something and evoke those emotions basically by itself. And when mixed with a game, it can be done in a beautifully additive way. This provides a strong emotional resonance and gives the game a lot of heart and soul. Listening to metal while exploding demons with a shotgun in Doom. Being in awe of a crazy boss while dramatic sweeping opera music plays in Dark Souls. The sense of adventure you feel when you hear the Gerudo Valley theme in The Legend of Zelda. It just works to evoke a feeling in those emotions in games just have so much heart and soul, it is palpable. 
Okay, the next thing I think that contributes to a game's heart and soul is imperfection. And this is maybe the most tricky thing to identify and design. But I want to bring it up because I think it sort of answers a question I've been wondering for a long time. That question is, why are bugs in open-world Bethesda games fun? Like, I think I would almost enjoy Skyrim less if there wasn't crazy bugs that make your ragdoll get launched into space, or make NPCs act like crazy people, or create hilarious situations where you can put a bucket over their head and steal from them without seeing it. If all these things were polished out of Skyrim, I don't know if it would be as fun. So that makes me wonder, do these flaws contribute to the heart and soul of a game? I think it can in certain cases, and I think I've identified when that is the case. Let's go back to the idea of identity. I think imperfections are allowed to a certain extent if the flaws do not hinder or even empower the identity of the game. Skyrim is a massive open world with lots to discover, and I think the bugs in most cases almost aid in that discovery. Notice the bugs aren't things like, or at least usually aren't things like the game running poorly, or deletes your saves, or just flat out doesn't work. The ones that you remember and that are kind of fun are things that provide a sense of joy and discovery. When your ragdoll freaks out and gets sent into space, and you get to see the world from 10,000 feet, you say to yourself, wow, look at all those mountains and lands I can explore. When an NPC breaks its neck to look at you in the eyes but walks in a different direction, it's funny and you think to yourself, oh, the NPCs are supposed to look at you when you're talking, uh, but because it all happens in real time, it got out of sync here. It kinda is a fun discovery that pulls back the curtain of how the animations work. When you put a bucket over the head of the NPC and steal from them, you're technically exploiting a line of sight issue, but you don't care because it makes sense from the computer logic standpoint. It almost serves as like gameplay, like you're tricking the computer. Each of these flaws, I think, in a weird way, actually enhance the game. And I'm not sure this is actually something you can do on purpose. What you can do, though, is make sure that if your game is going to have imperfections, and there will not be any games without any imperfections, so if it's going to have them, just make sure that they aren't in places that would hurt the identity of the game. And maybe they'll even show up in places that help the game. Let's just do a quick brainstorming example. Let's say you're making an FPS game. You better make sure that the gunplay is consistent and works. Most FPS games are going to be centered around having good gunplay, and that's going to be their identity. But let's say in the game you also have grenades and they leave a small crater when they explode. And what you did not consider is the change in geometry from the small crater after the explosion makes it so that the NPCs do crazy ragdoll effects when the crater appears beneath them, like it creates some kind of physics glitch. While this is technically a bug, it might result in some really funny and honestly even more fun death animations for enemies dying from grenades. So this is an example where an imperfection actually creates a more fun scenario. Oftentimes games with ragdolls, if the ragdoll behaved perfectly like it would in real life, uh, that's not as fun. Video game ragdolls are like human physics turned up to crazy, and that's what makes them super fun. So that's what I mean by embracing imperfections and how I think imperfections can lead to your game having a lot of heart and soul. Like I said, I'm not sure this is something you can do on purpose, but I think it's worth noting and definitely worth 
considering when trying to identify the heart and soul of maybe your favorite game. Okay, the last thing I think contributes to heart and soul in a game is care. The players can just tell if you put care into the game. Everyone has played a game where you can tell it was just sort of made, but with not really any care put into things. I think the classic example is asset flips. Asset flips are easily distinguishable. They have like zero heart or soul, and it's because no heart or soul was put into making them. Care can present itself in many forms, but one way that I like to think about it and the most consistent is attention to detail. I think games with high attention to detail just feel like they have character, or in other words, heart and soul. It's the little things that pique someone's interest and spark interest and joy that make a game feel soulful. A great example is the idea of can you pet the dog. If you have a dog in your game or any other friend-shaped animal, a really nice detail is allowing the player to pet it. And I don't mean like having a pet mechanic, I mean literally just press a button to pet and an animation plays. It's a small thing that maybe doesn't even affect the game in any way, but it's a nice detail that adds a ton of heart to the game. Paying attention to little details like this breathes a lot of life into a game. Let's talk about a recent example from the recently released Resident Evil 4 remake. In the game, there's a moment when you're confronted by a village of crazed, almost zombie-like villagers, and your goal is to fight them off. Now, typically when you play, you'll fight them until you hear a bell chiming in the distance, and the bell chimes seem to pacify the villagers and put them into a daze. A cool detail is, if you know the bell toll pacifies them going into this moment, then you can get a sniper rifle and shoot the bell in the distance, thereby ringing it. And it works. It pacifies the villagers and lets you basically skip the hard parts of the fight. It's a super cool touch and shows attention to detail from the devs. It shows to me that the devs put heart and soul into this. They put thought into it. This is a very small detail that most players will not do. And it was possible that no one would ever think of this and maybe never notice. But they put it in there anyways because they care about making a cool experience for someone, and they know that when someone does discover it, it's going to blow their mind. So yeah, for this last tip, I would say you should pay attention to the details of your game, and if you put care, heart, and soul into your game, the players will be able to tell. Let's do a quick recap of today's episode. Today's episode was about finding the heart and soul of your game. This is kind of a nebulous thing, but I identified five tips that I think might help. Number one was identity. Remember, your game has to know what it is so its personality can shine. Path of Exile, doubling down on complexity, even going against conventional design is a good example of that. Number two is charm. Remember that quality narrative design and some comedic moments can go super long way towards giving your game some heart and soul. Number three was feel. This one was the classic golden rule. Design and make a game with the intent of evoking emotion from the player. If you only pick one thing from this list to do, I would say it's to follow the golden rule. Also, when considering feel, Remember that music is super important for guiding the player's feelings. Number four is embracing imperfection in the right way. It's okay for your game to have imperfections. Just try to make it so that the imperfections don't damage the identity of the game. And lastly, care. Remember to pay attention to the details. If you put heart and soul into making the game, 
it'll be noticed by the players when playing it. And yeah, that's everything I have for you today. A bit of a quicker episodes today, but yeah, I'm just trying to catch up on the schedule. And I think after the next episode, I will be caught up. I've been finding that now I'm working a day job as a game designer. I'm having not as much time as I used to with writing the scripts for the episode. If you don't know, like way back in the day, I used to just freestyle the episodes uh, with like a few bullet points to go off of. But the quality of the show got a lot better when I started writing out the scripts and kind of putting together a constructed idea and theme and lesson. So yeah, I usually write out the whole script for an episode and that's usually about eight pages of writing. That was fine when I had all day, you know, I'd, I'd leave a day for me uh, back when I was working as an indie dev just to write out a script. But these days I'm having to piece it together while working a full-time day job, a part-time indie dev job, and then another part-time content creator job. So yeah, I apologize for the uh, pace of the episodes coming out. It may be something we just have to deal with. I would say just give me a few months, maybe maybe a few more uh, releases on the schedule, and I'll settle into something that works and is consistent. With that, I think I'm going to sign off. I have been Zaccavelli, once again preaching the power of the golden rule, and I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>